It's the end of a busy day. You just saw 15 patients, but instead of heading home for dinner with your spouse or playing with your kids, you now begin your night job, charting. Charting is critical and necessary, but it steals your focus from your patients, eats away at your time with your family, and keeps you up at night. The burden of always having another chart to complete drains every clinician. Freed is an AI medical scribe that makes charting go away. Freed listens, prepares your notes, and writes patient instructions for you. Charting is done before your patient walks out of the room. But wait, it gets even better. Freed learns your style over time just like a human scribe would, except that it will never quit on you. Freed is loved by over 3,000 clinicians from every specialty. It is HIPAA compliant, takes 30 seconds to learn, and costs only $99 per month. You can try Freed for free right now by going to freed.ai. Listeners of Financial Residency can use the FR50 coupon code for $50 off the first month. Financial Residency is proud to bring you Grand Rounds with Dr. Tammy. Each week, Tammy Kraus explores a new topic related to achieving financial independence by building and protecting your wealth. She invites guests who are experts in their fields who will share honest and valuable advice on a variety of topics. If you have an idea for a podcast, please email Tammy, that's T-A-M-M-Y, at financialresidency.com. Now grab your front row seat to this week's Grand Rounds. Hi, and welcome back to Grand Rounds. We're always worried about investments, but sometimes it just matters on how you're protecting yourself as to how you're going to be able to finish the race at the end of the day as far as trying to get ahead and get yourself launched towards financial independence. So I have invited Scott Royal Smith here today. He is an asset protection attorney and is based out of Texas, and he owns Royal Legal Solutions. Welcome to the show, Scott. Great to be here, Tammy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your publicist actually put me in touch with you. And one of the things that she mentioned you could talk about was making yourself legally invisible. And that kind of piqued my interest. So I thought, hey, let's start there and see where this show goes. Yeah, for sure. Well, it actually became really important to me as like an attorney and as a real estate investor. When a friend of mine got sued for $3 million and lost a huge chunk of his real estate. And he was one of those guys that was always saying like, well, you just need like a big umbrella insurance policy and then you'll be fine. And what he didn't know is that like insurance only protects you from some things some of the times. That's when I got really serious about asset protection and to make sure that all the wealth that I was building at that time in my life, that I was going to be bulletproof from lawsuits. That was my goal. And what I found out and looking into this topic for myself, and now we help investors in all 50 states put this together for themselves too, is the use of LLCs and trust together. You can use things like anonymity trusts to be able to hide your name off of like public records for the ownership of companies as well as the ownership of assets. You can leave, still use the same financing that you're using. You can still qualify for all of the bank things that you need to do You know, using that. And then your LLCs will give you all of the liability protection if you're actually sued. So the trusts give you like camouflage to hide all the assets, make it look like you're a really bad target for somebody to sue. And then the LLCs make it such that like if you get sued, you lose little to nothing. Sounds like a good combination. You mentioned anonymity trust. Is that a specific type of trust or are you just kind of referring to things in general, like revocable or irrevocable? You can tell I'm not well versed in all of this. You mean, you know, two great buzzwords. That's (laughs) bonus, you know, pretty good. Yeah. 
So yeah, the types of trusts that we're using for to create anonymity are type of revocable. We want okay. revocable trusts. The reason you want revocable trusts is because you want pass through tax treatment. So it has to do with that we're only using them to be able to mask public records. So we just want them to kind of sit there and, and be a placeholder on the deed, for example, to say like who owns this property located at 123 Main Street. Well, it's the 123 Main Street Trust. Who owns this property, you know, or who owns this uh, LLC called the TC Land LLC or something like that? You say, oh, well, it's the TC Land Trust. All right. So that way the client's name never appears on anything on the public records, right? So if somebody says, well, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Tammy gets into a bad car accident or something, this is really common. Say over the limits of liability of her car insurance. So they say, well, well, what's the next step? Well, the next step is they sue you personally. So if you have all the assets in your personal name, you don't have anything set up, then they're going to start taking all your stuff. But if you have your assets protected behind the LLCs and the trust, they're not able to get to any of those assets. It's really the best possible protection you can get because they can't find the assets that are attached to your, directly to your name. It looks like you're a terrible person to go sue because you don't look like you have anything for them to take. And then if they do try to sue anyway, well, it actually turns out they actually can't get to any of it because it's actually protected behind all the LLC structures. Sounds like a good plan. Now, you had mentioned there are some tax benefits to doing this as well. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So the first things that we're always thinking about in like our wealth building journey is like, what are all our downside risks? You know, so that's really asset protection because we lawsuits can take everything from us from like a single event that we don't control. It's important to be able to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, then it's also important to protect ourselves from the government, from taxes, right? IRS says you're only supposed to pay every dollar you're legally required to pay. So I hold them to that. And I will pay you every dollar I'm legally required to pay you and using good tax strategy to do that. And then you also want to have uh, quality estate planning in place because if you don't have that in place and everything goes through a court system, all exposed on the public record, can get caught up for years. You need a good estate planning in place to avoid the court system, keep everything anonymous using a, a living trust to protect your family, to make sure all the things that you're building in your life are actually going to go to protect your, go to provide for your kids, provide for your spouse, provide for your parents, whatever the case may be, without it getting thwarted by some type of court or legal system. The great part is about tax is that typically most people are just filing their tax returns. What that typically means is, you know, especially if you're making over $150,000 a year in household income, very likely you can be saving somewhere between seven dollars to $12,000 a year just on tax savings, just by being better optimized to only pay the government the dollars that you're legally required to pay them. And unfortunately, what we find is that most CPAs uh, are really helping people find a couple of deductions, but they're not talking to them about tax shelters. They're not talking to them about what kinds of investments they can be making to help them reduce tax or any of those things that we know help just the average person, you know, making over $150,000 in household income, you know, save somewhere between seven to $12,000 a year in taxes. Now, does that apply to like your typical W-2 physician or do you need to have some type of 1099 income or investment income to offset some of the taxes? Yeah, so it actually applies. To, you can you can save a bunch of money on taxes whether you're W two or whether you're ten ninety nine self employed. But the W two ones are the ones that I are actually my heart goes to the most because they've almost always been told there's nothing they can do save on taxes. It's just not true. I'll give you 
three of our very best strategies. Number one, that your current CPAs and most people talk to is like all your deductions, right? And typically what you're going to hear about in deductions is the cars be owned by like, by like a business. So that way your cars are right off. Shelter money to your kids if you can by paying them some type of reasonable salary for the business and have like a home office deduction. That's not going to do much for your W-2 you know, workers typically. So the biggest move next that you can look for is tax shelters. So a lot of times people are like, well, I'll protect money through like a defined benefit plan or an IRA or a 401k or something like that. Well, that's okay, but those are pretty limited, especially if you're a high W-2 earner. Also, that money now is locked up until retirement. So if our goal was to get financially free so we could go on this awesome road trip of living life, right? And just make sure we have enough gas in the car, having passive income come in so that we can go on this awesome road trip, that doesn't really get us there. Because it makes us say, well, we're stuck still in the system for another 30 years, you know, or more, depending upon your circumstances. But I look for a tax shelter. My favorite thing for W-2 in the world is actually something that's called a private foundation. Private foundations are a linchpin. They're like a super IRA that you can actually take money out of before retirement age. The way that these private foundations, you ever heard of private foundations before? I haven't. I'm fascinated. A lot of people are like, I don't want to get my money locked up in some foundation. Am I just trying to give it away to some charity? No, no, no. It's not like that at all. The way private foundations work, and this is why like all, you're like, why all these rich people always have their own foundations? Why are they always doing this? Right? And then here's why. The reason why is because with a foundation, you can take 30% of your income from all sources. 1099W2 doesn't matter. And then you can place it inside of a private foundation and none of that money is taxable. So if you're at a, let's say you're at a making $300,000 a year, right? And you're at a you know, 30% tax bracket. So well, I can place $100,000 in my private foundation. I just saved myself $30,000 in taxes. Because I got to move 100K over in the foundation, that 100K is not taxable, and I'm at a 30% tax bracket. So now I just saved myself $30,000. So do you have to work with your employer to do that pre-tax? Nope, you don't. You'll end up getting a refund if they've already taken the taxes out of your paycheck. Okay. You can also contribute assets that are non-cash. So you could put stocks in there, you could put vehicles in there, you could put art in there. There's all kinds of things that you can place in your foundation. And now your foundation technically owns, but, you know, piece of art that I look at, whether it's owned by my foundation or whether it's owned by me, still all looks the same. True. So? And is that in addition to the 30% of the income that you've already put in? can only go to 30% of your total income for the year. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily have to be cash that you made that year. Gotcha. So now I have that, say, that 30K sitting inside my foundation. Now, let's say that I'm using some type of investment strategy. It's like a high cash flow, you know, investment, investment strategy. There's a lot of them out there. Typically you can do somewhere around, you know, let's say like a 30% or so, right? You invest in a small business, small business fund, right? That's my, one of my favorite investment uh, strategies for, for cash flow, small business funds, because they typically pay 25 to 35% a year. It's pure cash flow, no tax benefits, heavy cash flow. Well, great. Now my private foundation, I'd say that private foundation now makes you know, $35,000 or $30,000 because it's invested in this, this small business fund because it's an investment that's made inside of the 501c3. It's also not taxed, right? And so that's why it works kind of like a super IRA, just like IRAs, the investments that IRAs aren't taxed. 
foundations for the, for the most part actually work exactly the same way. Now here's the tricky part. Tricky part with foundations is you have to give 5% away a year to some other nonprofit. So but most, of, most of us are already donating money anyway. And so this becomes just part of saying, well, instead of just donating from me, I'll just have my nonprofit, my foundation do it. You're just able to operate in that way. You never actually have to do anything with that money that's in the foundation. Your foundation has to have a charitable purpose. But whether any of the money ever gets spent on that charitable purpose or not is irrelevant. And at any time, you can say, hey, as a director of this private foundation, I would like a wage. And so then you can pay yourself a salary to be a director of this foundation, some type of reasonable wage, which is very broad. So in that way, you're able to, to take money out if and when you ever needed to. That's taxable when you take it out, right? Because now it's income to you at that point. So most of the time, what people are using is the foundations as a way to be able to grow their wealth, donate some money to some, some causes that 5% per year causes they care about, and then say, well, whenever I'm ready to flip the switch and go to financial freedom, this thing helped me accelerate my wealth and I can just pull, pull money from it as my reasonable wage whenever I'm ready to do that. So you just end up paying taxes on the amount that you take out as a wage, but the money that's sitting in the foundation remains there tax-free? Yep. Same thing as like how an IRA works, right? When an IRA actually distributes the money to you, you know, when you're living off it in retirement, well, it's taxable. But now it's income to you. It just got to grow without the taxes. Same way, same thing with the private foundation. And then, sorry, I'm just going to need a little bit of clarification. You said the investments that are in there, you don't have to pay taxes on, but you would have to pay like an income tax at the point that you took out all of the money that you, you know, made based on your initial investment. Is that? Yeah, same, same way the IRAs work, right? Okay. When I, when I contribute the money to the IRA, I don't have to pay tax on the money at the time I contribute to the IRA. It's just a withdrawal time. It grows, it grows, it grows, it grows, it grows. Well, I'm not paying tax on any of that growth. Okay. Like as it's growing, right? But the mo- the moment that the money comes back to me personally. Then it's taxable. Well, then it's taxable. The other thing too about private foundations though, is that I'm actually running a foundation now. So foundations can actually have expenses. So wherever I'm going on business of the foundation or something like that, now that those are expenses of the foundation. So in a lot of circumstances, you can you know, find that a large part of your life can actually just be about whatever your charitable purpose was as you're doing whatever it is you're doing in life. That's really amazing. So you could potentially, you said, you know, put your vehicles in there, pay for your home office, those types of things. Yeah, it can hold any type of asset. So you can take like your brokerage account, you know, because your brokerage account is like increasing in value all the time, right? That's a great thing to put in there. If you have like vehicles that you've fully depreciated, well, now you, you can donate those to your private foundation. Our, I mean, really, it can hold just about anything. So that's where it pays to help get creative about okay, what are the things that we can put in? How do we want to strategize it for this for our financial objectives that we're trying to get to? You know, all those kind of great things. But that's really what it's about, right? You need to know what your financial targets are. Like, how much cash flow do I need to go on this road trip? How much passive income do I need? What does I need to look like? And then from there, we look at you know your tax shelters and your investments, and how do you structure all that together? to be able to make the numbers work so we can all go have fun partying on the road trip. That's really amazing. I hadn't heard of that one before. So what's number two? What's the second thing we should be looking at? Yeah, the next the next big piece, <laughs> I forgot what all three of them were actually. <laughs> um, I got so into this, deep into this, uh, this <laughs> foundation conversation. I was like, 
you know, the next next big piece that you really want to look at is is your after your tax shelters for your W-2 people are going to be the type of investments that you can make. The investments that you want to be looking for are typically going to be in oil and gas or green energy because those types of investments are machinery-based investments. And so the syndicators that are working in those types of investment offerings have those structured in such a way that the depreciation from the machinery will flow to and offset your W-2 income, which almost no other type of investment will do. Those are what you want to be looking for. Typically, those are pretty strong investments. They typically pay somewhere between you know 14 to 16% cash flow per year, have some usually some type of IRR that's around 15-ish percent. So it's like a total 30% annual return, but you'll end up with these tax benefits that are almost almost 100% offset. So that 100K that you make, you know, if you push that into like the oil and gas, I think it's like, it'll give you like 90K in depreciation, you know? So you only have to pay tax on like $10,000 of that. And so, and then you end up with this, this other, you know, investment, right? So yeah. So the oil and gas is the way to go, especially if like you and your spouse are both, both working and both full-time W-2. But if you have a stay-at-home who's interested in real estate, there's actually a, a super, super sneaky third option you can do. Now, you, you need to talk to the CPA, make sure you're qualified for this, right? But it's something called like when you qualify as a real estate professional, which means that you spend over 750 hours a year in real estate. So let's say I'm going to work. Let's say my wife is going to work and I'm going to stay at home because and this, in my example here, I'm actually the trophy husband. Nice. <laughs> Congratulations. I know. It was great. Is all that time in the gym really paid off? Yeah. <laughs> well, she's a surgeon. She's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm just a really good cook. So in this example, let's say she's out, you know, slicing and dicing and saving people's lives. I'm at home, right? And she, has, she says, hey, you like real estate? And I was like, babe, love real estate. Get out of here. I Best love thing it. ever. Yeah. So it's great. <laughs> she say, well, why don't you go spend 750, 750 hours a year looking at real estate and doing these these types of appropriate real estate activities. And you can talk to our CPA about it, about what exactly those activities are. When you do that, what that's going to allow us to do is to say that you, Scott, are a real estate professional and claim that for IRS purposes, which means all the depreciation from real estate, we can actually apply against my W-2 income. And I'd say, well, that sounds great, baby, but why do you want to do that? She's like, because there's really cool investments we can make and really boring things like really safe and boring things like self-storage units. And I was like, okay, well, tell me more about that. She was like, well, self-storage units, if they're properly structured here, they're going to give us 180% bonus depreciation. So for that $100,000 that we're going to move into an investment, we're going to get $180,000 in depreciation that we can use to offset my income. And then they're going to pay us about a, you know, a 30, 32% return, some cash flow and some net worth, some internal rate of return. Well, that sounds pretty good. Like 32% return, 180% bonus depreciation. Sounds like a pretty banging investment. But, you know, break it down for me. Like, what does that actually, what does that actually mean for us? She's like, all right, so we place $100,000 in the investment. We get $180,000 in depreciation. And right now we're at a 20% tax bracket for all my income. Okay. She says, well, that, that $180,000 in depreciation means that we're not paying $36,000 a year in taxes because it's 20% tax bracket times $180,000. So, okay, great. She says, well, that, so that investment into self-storage units, just boring, predictable self-storage units, 
actually only cost us $64,000 cuz we just got back from the government $36,000 and not having to pay those taxes. So that's pretty good. She's like, "But here's the best part. Remember it's a 32% return." But it's a 32% return. We only have $64,000 in the investment now because the government just gave us back a big chunk of money. So what, what return does that mean we're making on our super boring self-storage unit investment? A 50% return in real estate and self-storage. Wow. And then that's how you get free quick. As you use the shelters appropriately where you need to. And then you start looking at how do you save money on taxes and use money on taxes with the investing strategy to give you something that's called the blended ROI. And the blended ROI is where you start doing that piece where I just showed you just now, which is how can you take something that's just a boring self-storage unit play and turn it into one of the best investments you may have ever heard of. And that these are actually deals that we have right now. Like, I mean, I can pull up a website and just be like, look, it's right here. Like, these aren't secrets, you know, they're actually just there if you know where to look and you know the, the right kinds you need to be careful about what syndicators you get involved with. And I caution everybody on that. You know, there's some definite things to look for. But everybody that comes and like works, they're all my clients. What I do is I just kind of open up the kimono and show them. I was like, here's all the people that I've worked with. You know, here's all the people I place my money with for those worth. And I'll get paid anything to make it, make the introductions and to, to show you who I'm working with. But I highly encourage everybody to, to do that because if you can save money on taxes, get into safe, boring assets. I mean, before you know it, You'll be on your road trip while other people are still wondering about how they're ever going to get free. I always like safe, boring assets. The older I get, I'm getting a little bit more risk averse, not trying to take those big risks to, you know, hopefully get a big return. Sometimes they bite you in the rear. Yeah. Safe and boring is the way to go. Life is good if it's always getting better. Life is hard when you have big down spikes. That's the same thing true. with wealth. Wealth should just be a continual chug up and to the right. It just should be continually getting better for you. Talking about the safe and boring self-storage units, has there been any correction in the market with those over the last few years like we've seen in the housing market? I mean, commercial real estate, all these sectors, like it, it really depends upon like what pocket of the country you're looking at. The, the issue with residential real estate ended up taking a hit because interest rates, you know, went up and that consumer, your consumers that are buying houses are really sensitive to interest rates because they're actually not buying the price of the house, they're buying a monthly payment that they say they can afford. So when interest rates go up, typically it's bad for all assets because money itself just became more expensive. So the, the issue becomes is, you know, did the syndicators that you work with anticipate possibility that interest rates would rise? And if they didn't, then these are the people that are really struggling right now because Typically, they were new. They haven't worked in like multiple up and down cycles. They had less than 10 years of experience working inside of like that asset class. Probably didn't have multiple investors that had invested with them in multiple deals over time. These are like indicators, some of the key indicators they look at, like who has, who's a good syndicator, who's a good deal operator. So, all that being said, syndications I invested in are doing great. Well, the reason they're doing great is because I always like to invest with people that are saying, I'm actually going to pay you a lower return. And say, but what I'm going to do in paying a low return is I'm going to take that money and I'm going to buy things like option contracts that are going to pay us if interest rates rise. A little protection behind the scenes. Yeah. It's about edging, right? Like how many risks can you hedge off? And that's what really what you, 
should be looking for besides the other things that I was talking before about like track record, investors, track record with a certain type of asset, investors that can continue to like keep investing in with them that have had deals exit over time is what you really want to be learning about is how many risks do they see? Can they talk about? And like, what are the things that are they doing to like hedge off of those risks? And that's the way you can start. If, if this is an inquiry, you have the time and inclination to do on your own. That's the way in which you start to have conversations with people to be able to see like who actually knows what they're doing. Because the the most sophisticated and best investors are ones that can, cl- can most clearly articulate, here's all of the known risks that are here. And here are all of the different strategies that we have that are efficient to be able to hedge off on those risks. The people that can't articulate risks, that's really scary. People that can articulate risks, but also can't tell you anything they're doing to hedge off of it, they're part of the way there, but they still need some seasoning to learn, you know, what are, what are more of the tricks of the trait, so to speak. Hope that answers your question. Do you work with a lot of physician clients in particular? Yeah, a huge amount. Yeah. So we work with a lot of, primarily with physicians that are looking for types of like financial, financial freedom. Come through, it's typically a lot of ones that are interested in real estate. Um, there's a lot of physicians groups uh, that we work with. You know, it's, the physicians are in an interesting place because they're, they're in a high risk type environment, right? Inherently. And having really good asset protection in place gives a lot of peace of mind. And what we've also found is physicians are really smart, right? They'll learn something that they need to learn, but they don't want to put a lot of time into it, right? Because they're busy. They're working. They need time to sleep and, and the system works really hard. These types of constraints are the same things that like I operate in the same way. I like, I want my wealth to be really predictable. I want it to be safe. I don't actually want to spend a lot of time managing it, but I really want to understand what's happening. And I was like, great. So all of our physician clients, that's why we're partnered with so many groups there is because, you know, we get the type of person, how do they think, how do they like to operate, what the goals are that we're really trying to get to, because they're actually very similar to my, my inherent goals. If someone were wanting to get with a tax strategist, and I know you're a real estate investor on your own, asset protection attorney, how would they get in touch with you, Scott? Yeah. So we have attorneys, MBAs, CPAs, CFOs, everything you could possibly want or need. And the best way to get in, in touch with it is just looking at royallegalsolutions.com. At royallegalsolutions.com, you're going to see that there's a video right there on the homepage. That video is going to show you everything that you need to do to become like a CEO of a wealth building company on this journey that you're actually on. And so you're actually having to build a legal department and a state planning department and a tax department and an investing department. And it all just, it's just right now, it's just you trying to hold together a whole company, right? So in that video, I'll show you exactly, here's what you need to do if this is something you want to build on your own. Here's the way that we're able to help build all of that stuff for people inside of six weeks and easy ways to be able to get in touch um, with the team that you'll never talk to salespeople. That'll always be just directly with the legal team. It's just all there at royallegalsolutions.com. Hope everybody comes and checks it out. You've given me so many things today that I hadn't come across before that foundation. And, and I'm sure other people have come across that, but I hadn't. So you were just a wealth of information today. Yeah. I mean, what I've really done is I've just spent my life studying, like, what are the wealthy people doing? And I'd say, well, how can we do those exact same things in a cost-effective and an efficient way for the average investor? I'm glad that it was something new for you. I'd encourage everybody to you know, come and check out the come and check out the website. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what we got to get on here today. And there would be all kinds of new 
much deeper analysis and thinking that's there. Everybody can come study. Well, maybe I can get you on at a later date and you can give me another three things to think about for the listeners. <laughs> of course, Tim. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, thank you all for tuning in today. I hope you'll all join me again next week for Grand Rounds. As we wrap up, remember, Freed.ai is here to free you from medical documentation. It's HIPAA compliant, takes 30 seconds to learn, and is incredibly affordable. Join the movement to eliminate clinician burnout Visit Freed, F-R-E-E-D dot A-I and improve your lifestyle. You can try Freed for free right now by going to Freed dot A-I. Listeners of Financial Residency can use the FR50 coupon code for $50 off the first month.